You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Dr. Rachel Henderson from Medical Legal Concepts on with us today. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background about you as a nurse? Uh, how did you get started in it and or in nursing? And then we'll take it from there. Well, I have been a nurse for a very long time. And when I say the year that um, I actually got my license, it's like, wow, I'm really getting up there. Because <laughs> you know, it was in 1985 that I became a registered nurse. I went to an associate degree program in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And from there is where I started launching my whole career. Um, I didn't just land up with an associate degree, but that was the track that I went to. And at that time we were accepted into um, critical care areas, med surge, you know, at a big hospital. And in fact, the hospital that I first trained at was a huge tertiary center. So it was a great learning experience for me to get a solid foundation in nursing, which I forever am grateful for because of what it has helped me become to where I am today. Um, and so from there, you know, of course, you get married and then you move around and you do different things. Well, that's where I kind of landed up in Florida. So when I went to Florida, I went to the University of South Florida and finished my bachelor's and master's degree as a clinical nurse specialist. Um, and at that point, you know, I did a nurse, the nurse practitioner track was kind of new at that time when I went there and the ClinSpec, what we called ourselves ClinSpecs at the time, was like more appealing to me because I was very interested in staff development. I really enjoyed teaching new nurses, orienting new nurses, you know, making certain that we were doing things the right way. And that's just kind of where I landed up was being in the clinical specialist role. And because of my critical care training back at St. Francis in Tulsa, then I, you know, kind of specialized in open heart surgery recovery, which is my specialty. So, you know, I use that from all the, the critical thinking and analyzing and, and drugs and all those things that go in place because I was a blood and guts nurse. That's just kind of the way I was. I wasn't one to just sit back and, you know, watch things go by. I just really like to tinker with all kinds of stuff. And, um, I, <laughs> I love that, by the way. It just, I don't mean to drop, but like I, I'm a blood gut person too. I love it. <laughs> that, that was where I was. I mean, I just love taking care of the sickest patient in the unit. I mean, I wanted them because I could make such an impact. At least, you know, I felt that I could at the time because I was just really trained well. And I really did know what I was doing. And, you know, that was very comforting to me. Well, because of that, you know, you're sought out to take more leadership responsibility when you're in the institutions as you grow on it. And I went up that track. Um, leadership in a sense of going more quality based. So I was very interested in quality improvement and safety and regulations and things like that, particularly out of my master's program. And from, you know, building it from the ground up, the Pepin Heart Center at the University Community Hospital, which was a fantastic experience for me, that there were three nurses. And I, even to this day, I look back and think, wow, what an opportunity that was, you know? And that's one of the things that I think about nurses today is they don't seize the moment. 
they think that, you know, oh, I'm not good enough, or I haven't been a nurse long enough, or I don't think I could ever do that. And I just say, man, you just got to get that out of your mind. If there's something that presents itself to you and you say, you know what, I could do that. It may stretch you. Yeah, but that's good because that's how you grow. And I took it upon myself throughout my whole career is just to seize those opportunities that presented themselves to me and just grew along the way. And so putting that open heart surgery program together at the Pep and Heart Center was an amazing experience for me because we had to go through policies and procedures. We had to work with the medical staff. We had to get all the equipment inventory. And then I had to train the staff, which is my favorite part. Got to train the nurses on how to take care. And we did mock, you know, mock drills, if you will, for bringing a patient in that was a dummy before we did our grand first patient, which was just like, oh my gosh, this is like epic to be a part of this. And, you know, the Pep and Heart Center is flourishing today. And so I just feel like, you know, from the drywalls up, I learned so much putting that together, good and bad. You make good decisions. You make some decisions that you can improve upon, but that's the whole part of growing is that you have to learn from your mistakes. And so because of my interest in quality improvement, I took a course, self-directed course, and then we attended on Saturdays to become a risk manager. So in Florida, you, can, you had to be licensed to be a risk manager at the time. And so I went through risk management training, not because I wanted to be a risk manager. I wanted to think like a risk manager to help me develop the quality and the policies and the direction for the nurses is why I went through that training. Well, as a part of that, I began doing some, you know, lecturing and in-service training, not only in the hospital, but outside the hospital. And, you know, the audiences got a little bit larger and you get a little bit more recognized. And then people start seeing, you know, wow, I want you to come speak for us. And it just kind of evolved over time that I began to get recognized on the speaking circuit. So I speak publicly now on a lot of different topics legal arena, which is kind of a new area that I got into, they wanted me, the attorneys were asking me to review medical records and testify, you know, to the standard of care for nursing. And of course, this is both for plaintiff and for defense. So, you know, you, you work both sides, but that was a whole new area that I never thought anything about. I didn't even know anything about it. I thought, wow, that's really cool. But I could see how that would play a part in how nurses are so much needed in that industry to educate the jury, educate the attorneys on how healthcare really does work. And it's not a perfect science. And you have to kind of be a little bit gracious to a certain extent to understand that, you know, yeah, it may not be right on the, the button, but what they did did not cause the injuries that you're, you know, alleging. So we have to really be able to think along those lines. Um, and so that has really been my career since 2001. I began testifying. I began reviewing medical records for attorneys. And I also began speaking across the country for not only for myself, for my own clients that I had, but um, I'd work for, you know, other entities that would, you know, want me to go out and speak on behalf of someone that they want. So um, that's kind of where I am today. And I'm just really, really busy doing three different things. And that's one of the things I would always tell nurses, if you're growing to diversify, 
because when we went through the pandemic, oh, I was so thankful that I had several different things that I was able to do because, you know, when one is really busy, the other one is flat and then it switches, you know, it goes back and forth. And so if you have a diversification in your industry, in your business, in your career, then you're able to really thrive through any troubled hard times. And I think that that is one of the, the other things that I would recommend for nurses. Number one, seize opportunities. Number two, make certain that you diversify what it is that you're doing. So you're a little more stable, particularly if you're on your own as a true entrepreneur. And, you know, you should be able to survive with a little bit of tenacity. And so that's where I'm at today. How about that? That is an awesome story. I love it. <laughs> uh, and I thought we were just going to talk about legal nurse consulting. You're like so much broader than that. It's like, it's amazing. Um, so at what point did you go from, uh, I, I'm used to calling them twin specs as well, because <laughs> that's uh, showing my age maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, just to touch on that briefly, it's, it's not completely relevant to the conversation, but, um, you know, I feel like they really got the short end of the stick because they were doing the staff development and creating programs like what you were creating. And now those don't really exist. It's like a free for all. And we're supposed to expect that four years of nursing school can translate into any specialty and it, it doesn't work. And there's so much work that needs to be done there. Um, but when did you, you went from ClinSpec into kind of an entrepreneurial role, um, when did that shift kind of happen? And uh, was there like a day where you're like, I'm going to start a business or did it just kind of like evolve into a business? Well, you know, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit about me. Um, and I, th I guess it just kind of started when I was young. My, my mother was a teacher, which is where I get the Clint Speck stuff from, I think. I just like to teach and have the crayons and all that kind of stuff. My dad was a, is, is still, he is a minister, a pastor, and so he's a public speaker. And so you put two of those skills together and that just kind of was me. I like to teach and I like to speak. You know, you give me a microphone and I'm just good to go for a long time. <laughs> So I had no problem sharing my knowledge because I wanted others to learn and I had a platform to do that. So it was just kind of a natural fit. Now, when did I make that transition? Um, I think it was really basically when you're working for an institution and you get to the point where you feel like you're just not able to accomplish what you truly want to accomplish because of the way organizations, healthcare institutions are managed and run today. They really are very, very different than when I got out of school and you had you know, a lot of the equipment, you had the quality, you had the time, you had the staff, the ratios were, were very good. Administration was there to support you. What do you need? And we get it for you. And that is just not the way it is today. You know, it has changed substantially. And I think for me, that was real hard for me to fit into that mold because I'm not one to put in a box. I like to be creative. I like to try different things. And I wasn't allowed to do that through the administrative and leadership roles that I had. And so I just ventured out and thought, you know what, I'm going to get a little bit more training to be a legal nurse consultant. And I did that and just kind of really exploded with, this is where I want to invest my time and speak. So I did both of those because that gave me diversity you know, to balance out so that I doesn't just have all my eggs in one basket. And one of the things that I did a little bit later on, which is what I just did through the pandemic is you can always work adjunct at any of the colleges or universities. 
And that's a tremendous little um, piece that keeps you in touch. It keeps you in the training mode, keeps you current with standards of practice. And, you know, you get to work with other faculty and you get to write. So, you know, I'm, I'm an author and I, and I write articles now, which is, you know, a great opportunity for visibility and, and increases your credibility when you're out there writing. And, you know, you get exposure from doing that. And then other industries like the um, ASHRAM, the American Society of Healthcare Risk Management, asked me to be a contributor to one of their, um, you know, their books, the Legal and Regulatory Playbook. So I was a contributor, me and a couple of other um, nurses, we wrote a chapter about regulatory compliance and healthcare and joint commission and CMS and all those things. We got our heads together and we put a chapter together. You know, so this is going from 1985 to where I am today. I had no idea, you know, that these opportunities were there. I didn't plan this intentionally to do this. I was just always keeping my eyes open for what's the opportunity? How does it fit into what I do now? And if it fits, then I did it. And if I had to stretch and learn and grow to get it done, I just figured, you know what? I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to say yes and figure it out. Yeah, I think that's the most exciting thing about nursing is that you can do that, like, and you can kind of fit yourself in anywhere that you want. Uh, you know, I was so kind of like myopic and thinking, you know, I was in the same unit for, as a nurse, as a nurse practitioner, I got my PhD and I was getting really pissed off because I'm still reporting to the intern. And, you know, here I am 20 years experience and I'm like, what is going on? Like I had a whole blowout with him, but, um, but you said a couple of things. One, the inability to be able to do creative things and just kind of grow. It's, it's like they put this, I don't know, ceiling on top of you. And it's like, you know, just stay in this little box and just do what, you know, we paid you to do and that's it. And that's not me at all, just like you. Like, I, it made me really angry just to be stuck in this, this box. Um, but the exciting thing about nursing and for me, you know, it was, I had a leadership opportunity just land in my lap. Like Walmart came, they said, will you be our senior manager for talent acquisition? And it opened the door to like all these amazing nurses. And I was just kind of like, what have I been doing for the last 20 years? Like, why, why am I just sitting here? So. Well, and you, you mentioned too, that because you have your PhD and, and I do too. I mean, I got mine, I was finally finished in 2017, which was like, oh my gosh, why did I do this? you know, and it's like, okay, I'm too far in. I can't quit. You know? So it's like one of those things, but it was the hardest thing I've ever done because mm -hmm. I was doing that as I was traveling and working. I mean, I was running a full business and still going to school. Of course it was online and we had, you know, cohorts that we met you know, on a regular basis and things. And, but your, you know, your dissertation and all the research that goes into that takes a lot of time. But the reason why I chose to go further at the, you know, the, the terminal degree that you can get is because when I was out speaking, it, it was, you know, always encouraged from, you know, a few people would come up and say, you know, you really should go get a PhD. You, you know, you need to do this because it lends credibility to you as a speaker and as an author and all these other things. And I thought, you know, yeah, but I didn't want to do it in nursing. And I don't mean to, to say that's bad about nursing. I wanted to do something that a nurse could have an impact in as a nurse in the healthcare institutions that we have today. And so I opted to go the you know, public policy route, but I focused on law and policy because that was my background. Risk management, legal policies, you know, certifications, 
um, surveys and accreditation. I mean, that was where I felt I could be of service. And so now when I speak, I can, you know, land with a lot of credibility because of the venues I have worked in throughout my entire career. And it was probably the best thing that I've ever done. You know, every level that you go through, and I, I tell this so much to the new students because I work adjunct at an AD program. And I, they, they say, oh, you know, Professor Henderson, do we really want it? I said, look, if you need to take a little time off, that's great. But let me tell you this, every elevation you go in education, in a nurse, you have new doors that open. You have new opportunities that come every time you take that next level. And you don't want to be missed because you didn't take that next step and somebody's going to be chosen just because they have more education than you. Yeah. And I said, you need to really consider that. Just, you know, at least get a bachelor's degree. And if you can get a master's degree, because then the doors are wide open yeah. on what yeah. you can do. So, you know, those are the kind of influences that I feel I have on nurses, you know, today and just sharing, you know, with them whatever they need, because everyone is different, particularly today. I mean, the, the climate is so different than it was when probably you and I were going through. <laughs> and I know. Sometimes I feel like that old nurse that I used to be like when I was 20, I'd be like, oh, I'll never be like that. And now I'm like, well, yeah. back in my day, we did. <laughs> I just remind them, I, was like, I just say, look, you know, don't look at my age. Just think of me as I'm a well-seasoned nurse. I'm well <laughs> marinated. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> So let me ask you, because your business is very, like you've done, you've made it diversified. Um, what, can you just kind of describe like the different, um, I, I don't, they're probably not silos, but I mean, do you have like areas specifically? So you have legal nurse, nurse consulting, then you have speaking and is, are there other parts to it that you have? Well, yeah, the consulting piece, which kind of has fallen flat because of the pandemic. But what I had um, done as part of my speaking, because, you know, either I'd speak and they'd want me to come and help or I'd be helping and then, you know, I'd get called help to speak. So they kind of, you know, would, would refer to each other. But one of the things that I really enjoy doing, at, you know, at the C-suite level is working with executives and organizations to help them see that if we really focus the, you know, time and attention, and of course there's finances that go along with that too, into the frontline staff, into your nurses, make certain that they're competent. That, and I don't mean that, that nurses are incompetent. I mean, saying increase their competency. So they're very comfortable in their roles and make certain that they know they have the support to do what they need. And they have the tools to do the job that we're asking them to do. Cause a lot of times they don't. Um, then naturally, just naturally, with increased competency, you are going to have better survey results when the, you know, the regulatory and compliance entities come in to check you out because they do know what they're doing. They can speak to it because they know why they're doing what they do. And that's a real gap right now. When you look at medical record reviews, the electronic medical record has really threatened um, the, the representation of quality of care and some of the decision that's being made because we've taken away that critical thinking. You know, we have prompts that are put into place that you know, in the electronic medical records that, you know, just say, you know, hey, I think you need to order this or now here, look at the trend we hear and this is the next step you need to do. We've lost that ability. 
And I see that training nurses in, you know, even at the junior college level, when we're in the organizations, I see that that has, that's a gap. That is a huge gap because we've become reliant so much on technology that we forget to think about what we're doing. And it's just the prompts that come along and they're just following through. Now, from a legal point of view, and I share this with the executive leadership team, when I'm out reviewing medical records and I see things or they have a, you know, a claim that they're wanting to help do a root cause analysis on, and I will help them walk through that process. But I point out to them you know, the, the depiction of the care that's being represented when you have checkboxes. And you have very, very limited free text entry field, which is what's in the nurse's head. You're not seeing what they're thinking. You're not seeing what they've heard. It's just a checkbox. And so in a legal system, that's not helpful because the jury doesn't see the nurse thinking and doing and breathing. And what did you feel? What did you touch? What did you hear? What did you smell? It's just, we're all in a, in a checkbox. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I don't want to mis, misinterpret, be misinterpreted that I think electronic medical records are poor. They're not. They have a lot of great, great attributes. And we're still growing and improving with the vendors that we have out there. But that is a gap that needs to be addressed. And I think the senior leadership team of organizations need to have some support. And how do we plug that hole? Increase the competency make certain that we expand critical thinking in the organizations. Yes, using the electronic medical record, but maybe we need to work with the vendors a little bit more too, to create big, larger fields where you can have more than 10 characters <laughs> to describe <laughs> something because that just doesn't work, you know, and how the dangers of documenting in an electronic system, really there is no mercy on the legal side. What is there is timestamp. And if you make a typo and you copy and paste for two or three days, it's there. I mean, those are things that are, they're really hard for you to say, no, it wasn't me. Yes, I did that. Well, you, you know, you couldn't have, I mean, it just, I've learned so much being on both sides that when I'm out sharing with the institutions, I pull from my legal experience and say, look, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. This is the way they look at it. This is how they're going to see it. This is where we need to fix it. So basically, when I get pulled into an institution to help them, they air their dirty laundry with me. And I tell them, I said, incompetence, tell me what's not working. And then let's design, devise an action plan that's measurable to fix it. And so I guess that's kind of a long answer to your question, but that's kind of how my business works. I mean, I flow with it. It's like breathing. And when it's busy, I'm busy over here. When I get clients that I'm busy over here, but I'm always out speaking, you know, cause that's where I get my referrals from. That's where I get legal cases from. And that's where I, be, you know, be able to start authoring. And I mean, that's kind of like my middle ground. And then I kind of wiggle to the right and to the left. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great marketing plan because there's nothing more powerful than having a book, having a chapter, having articles written, and then having a platform <laughs> that you can speak from. Like, there is nothing. I mean, that's if you want to do something like this, that that's the path. Um, and I love what you just said about the consulting and stuff. And it, I find it really irritating because there's a lot of the stuff that you're saying is just like to me, it, it, it's obvious. Like you should invest in your frontline workers. You should make them feel safe. Like that's just a cultural thing. And that's you know, if you want your workers to give back, then you have to start by giving. And these these 
um, hospital system spends so much money recruiting people and it's like oh my god just take that budget and invest in who you have already and then it'll it'll create itself uh, and the other thing um, i've heard about emrs i'm sorry that is just that um we you start with your base emr and then you just continually add things like nothing is ever taken away from the emr so it's just like if there's a new update there's a new this there's a new that it just keeps getting added and added and all of a sudden you've got like 15 pages of check boxes to to fill out and it's like exhausting and it's, some of it's probably even contradictory <laughs> well and, and the thing is too with um you know when you mentioned that it's the culture and that's one of the things that, that I share, you know, not only when I'm out speaking, but with, you know, institutions in the C-suite that I work with, is it, what does your culture of patient safety actually look like? Do you really have an organization that is committed to keeping all of our customers, patients safe? And that takes everyone, you know, and a lot of times, you know, it's piecemeal. Well, that's quality is important. That's risks important. You know, that that's the manager, or the director's job to make certain the patients are safe. No, it's everyone's from mm -hmm. from the, the, the janitor who mops the floor to the housekeeper that dumps the trash to, you know, all the nurses that are working together to the, you know, the IT people who are managing the, 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 the alarms and, and all the areas that are monitored. I mean, and then now security for heaven's sakes. The egress and, and, and take of the organizations. Are we are we secure when we're here that no one can get in? I mean, what is our culture of safety? And I think what really brought that home to me is I had an opportunity to do a Facebook Live for a company that wanted me to do that on the event that happened in Tennessee. The the you know the nurse that was charged, criminally charged, uh, for making a medication error. And, you know, I went back and I was able to get the documents and the reports that, that came from CMS because it's all online. You just have to kind of know where to get them. And, I, you know, I read through that and it was like 64 pages long. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, usually those reports are like maybe, you know, five, 10 pages long, 65 pages long. And I read through that and I just highlighted the breaches mm -hmm. in the standard of care. Not just for her, but what I could see farther because of knowing the operations of the institutions, that it started from the top and was all the way down. Their, their culture did not support a patient safety. And unfortunately, the Swiss cheese all lined up on that day mm -hmm. and all those things came. And unfortunately, she's the one that went through the final hole. You know, so when I laid that out, I really went to the top first and then went to the medical staff and then went to the quality and then came all the way down. And the, the nurse at the bedside was the last person that, you know, ultimately was held accountable for her actions, her error and judgment at that time. But everyone played a part, right. you know, and I just think that many institutions, we, they don't take it in that capacity it's everybody has their own little piece but nobody has it as a whole and that's where i think that i fit into many of these institutions to try and reduce medical errors not just medication but medical errors but it really like you like you said you've got to start with the frontline people if they're happy and they have the tools to do their job they're not going to leave they're going to stay there they're going to sit down and talk with their patients and they're going to do the right things they don't need to be scripted you know, to come in because they're naturally going to do it. That's why we're in healthcare providers. We naturally want to care for others. 
Right. That's why with the whole staffing agency, like when people were going to like Congress or C-suite going to Congress and saying, you know, we have to, we have to cap the, the staffing agencies or the evil guys. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a manifestation of your poor leadership is what it is. Like you need to fix it. <laughs> I, I really, I agree with that. It's not, the lens that they're looking through is very narrow. They're not standing back and looking at the big picture as to how do we all play a part in this and what's my role? Because we all have different roles depending on your leadership, but it all plays a part and it's the culture that you have to develop. And it's a little bit, people like to say, well, it's team building to a certain extent, but it's still the culture. If I walk by and see something, well, that's not my patient. I'm going to do anything about it. No, it's my patient. They're going to fall, go in here and prevent them from falling. You know, it's not like, no, it's not my job. I remember when I, when I first started, I, I worked at Herman Memorial down in, in Houston, Texas, and I remember as a new nurse being trained in the ICU, like those nurses were, oh my God, they were like, everybody took it upon themselves to orient me. It was a little overwhelming, <laughs> but like if I didn't have my, my patient out of bed and bathed, um, you know, by a certain time, they would come over and start doing it. And, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, like, yeah, I, gotta, I gotta get this done before the other nurses get, you know, antsy and start taking over my patient. Like it was, it was a culture and it, it was ingrained in me. Like you bathe your patient every shift and uh, you get them out of bed. And I was neurocritical care. So it blew my mind when I came back to Philadelphia and, uh, you know, they're like, oh, PT gets the patients out of bed. And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> I experienced that too. You know, when I moved from Tulsa to down to Tampa, even though Tampa, the Tampa General Hospital is a huge hospital, thousand bed facility, you know, associated with, they were doing a lot of indigent care. They're affiliated with the University of South Florida, had residents and stuff. Amazing place to learn too. But, you know, at St. Francis in Tulsa, we were so progressive up there. I mean, we had the top notch of everything. And of course, you know, Oklahoma State University was part of who they were linked up with, too. So I, you know, got from really good training ground there to Tampa. And it was like, what year are we in? You're still doing that? I mean, it was amazing how just crossing state lines, even though that was really, really good for them, it had gone back like five or six years for me from where I came from, you know, and it, it's just, you know, different states perform differently and different institutions do and small community hospitals as well, you know, so it's, um, it's dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> That's very diplomatic. Um, okay. Well, Rachel, um, this has been an awesome, awesome interview. I feel like I could talk to you for another couple of hours, but um, if uh, nurses out there are listening and they're interested in consulting or legal nurse consulting, um, how can they learn more? And, um, you know, do you have a website that they can go to or, or contact information? Yeah, I do. I, I, I've got several places that you can find me at, but the, my main one, which is really kind of my speaking website, is medicallegalconcepts.com. Um, and on that website, then you can see, you know, the speaking engagements that I do. But then at the top navigation bar, there's also products and services that, that you can, because I have a shopping cart, I have a storefront. So if you go to the storefront, then that's where I have, you know, areas where I've got um, 
webinars that I've done before. There are training for legal nurse consultants. If you're brand new, I've got a, a week-long residency program that I can put together. Well, I do have put together. So we get put together there. And we also have, you know, EMS, which I call education, mentoring and support that we meet once a month to try and help encourage and promote and, and encourage going forward as you're getting into a new business. And we learn from each other's for that. So there's ample opportunity for you to get in touch with me. And on that website, there's also a link that says you want to have a, you know, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, you know, Dr. Henderson, you can click on that because it's a Calendly link and it, it allows you to schedule your time with my time and then we both have time to talk. So, you know, as busy as everyone is, I find that that is the most helpful than trying to chase a phone call down. You just go on the calendar and it says, here's the available time, pick your spot. And then it comes up on my calendar and I have a little bit of information about what you'd like to discuss. And then we're prepared and we have a productive meeting. So, you know, those are the things that I would, I would suggest that you can go to. One of the other websites, which we really didn't talk about, but I, I will, is called Nursing Impact. And nursing impact is like my soft side. You know, this is where I just have, you know, I talk about health and wellness and, you know, I have a, you know, real spiritual side to me too. And I've got, a, you know, a very um, far in between blog there, but I mean, it's just kind of like my softer side of promoting nurses too, that we need to take care of ourselves in the midst of everything. So it has really nothing to do with training or regulation or anything like that. It's like, how do you, to enjoy life today, how do you take care of yourself? Do you make certain that you, you reflect on a regular basis? And it's that kind of thing that happens in nursing impact. Because I think particularly after the pandemic, we need to focus on that too, is making certain that nurses do take the time to take care of themselves. Absolutely. Well, Rachel, this was amazing. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Oh, well, thank you for having me.